0: Good morning. Uh, my name is David Drake. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at uh, at Crosswinds. We are pleased to have you with us as we celebrate uh, what is is commonly called uh, Easter. Uh, what others might call Resurrection Sunday. It is. Uh, I would guess. I would say it like this. It's probably the biggest holiday in. In the the Christian world, and so I want to talk to you about that for a minute. Like, what kind of holiday is this, and what does it mean, and does it really even have any meaning? Because we know this that there are some holidays that are connected to something objective, something real, and they're commemorations of something uh, that is uh, indescribable, historical, happened. And there's other holidays that aren't. So, for instance. Uh, depending on how old you are, your birthday is a holiday, so to speak, that is connected to something that actually happened. It's a real holiday. It's connected to something that was meaningful in your life. If you had not been born, you would not be here. There'd be no reason to, to celebrate. It's an objective reality. And most of us, again, depending on our on our age, uh, and I might be tipping that scale right now, but usually we like our birthdays. It's connected to an objective reality um our anniversaries we don't usually call that a that a holiday but our anniversary the day in which we we married our spouse is kind of a life-changing objective reality it happened it changed to something and so we celebrate that because who we were before we got married before we moved into a marriage relationship was something different than we are after we got got married uh the birth of our, our children, it's another birth one, but like the day that my children were born, it's not just that they like to celebrate their birthdays, but I celebrate their birthdays because something objectively changed. My life was, is not the same. Since my children were, were born, uh, I've had them long enough. That's probably not the way you say that. But I've had my children long enough, uh, 16 years for the oldest now, that, uh, that I can't even really remember what life was like before I had children. But it changed something. There's an objective reality. There's a historical thing that happened. And after it happened, nothing was ever the same again uh there's other holidays however that seem to be creations of of clever marketing people uh and uh, certain segments of the population might be offended when when i say this but there's things like like sweetest day um, i don't feel like sweetest day is connected to any real sort of historical event there's nothing life-changing about it. Uh, sweetest Day is a holiday that you celebrate typically before you're married. I remember celebrating it, it once. Here's my genius. Guys, check this out if your girl's not here. Um, made a card, did it myself. It was a meatball. Now, you might not immediately get that, but it's only a small jump from Swedish to Swedish. And so on Valentine's Day, people do hearts. On Sweetest Day, I did a, a meatball. Probably the last time I ever celebrated Sweetest Day. Don't even know where it is. And you might be thinking, he's just an awful husband. Perhaps, but I don't think so. Right? I just think that that's kind of like a, like a holiday. We call them Hallmark Holidays. Like, I don't think that there's anything historical that happened that everyone goes, you know, I really connect with, with what happened on Sweetest Day when, when good Lord Sweetest rode over the, the moat to celebrate, or to, to rescue his, his, his damsel in distress from a dragon, um, which, by the way, is not real. There aren't dragons. So, even the story's not like sweetest made up holiday. Valentine's is kind of a real holiday. Like, it happened. It celebrates something. But most of your lives were probably never changed by, uh, by Valentine's Day. Specifically, uh, it's connected to a historical thing, but it's not that, that life changing. St. Patrick's Day, we just celebrated that. That is actually connected to all kinds of really cool historical events. And only church geeks like myself know what those historical events were right? Because most of you, uh, when you're out doing things you should not do on St. Patrick's Day, especially if it's a weekend, on that weekend of St. Patrick's Day, right? Most of you are not thinking of the great contributions of Patrick to Western civilization, right? Uh, And if you celebrate it long enough, some of y'all aren't thinking about anything by the end of St. Patrick's Day, right? We're just keeping uh, keeping it 100, right? Just being real, that's kind of... So... Here's what I want to talk about. What kind of holiday is Easter or what kind of holiday is is the resurrection, right? So we get together. You guys showed up. Uh, a lot of you showed up because we're doing uh, baptisms and you know somebody who's being baptized, but we'll step one back and go, why are we doing baptisms? We're doing it because this holiday, this resurrection, this Easter is meaningful to us. But how is it meaningful? Because I think some people think, well, that is just a religious holiday, which is a cute thing for religious people to do. And if you don't view yourself as one of those religious people, you wish that I would be quiet and put someone under this water so that you could check out on everything that's going on here, right? So you're thinking it's just a me thing. It's just about me, and it's about those other cute religious spiritual people. And you think that Easter maybe is like sweetest Day. It happens, but someone made it up so that they could sell peeps or Easter baskets or whatever they're selling in, in the place. So what kind of holiday is, uh, is this one? What I'm going to argue for you is that this is not at all like Sweetest Day. And in fact, if it were like Swedish Day, I am not the type of person who would be celebrating it. I just don't get into, into the, the made-up holidays that much. And I'm not overly sentimental, usually, and I'm not into it just because it's a good spiritual story, right? So if I could go back, here's what, here's what we're talking about, right, is that this is a celebration of the concept that 2,000 years ago, as a historical objective reality, this guy named Jesus walked the face of the planet. It is our, our contention based uh, not only on this book, the Bible, which we, we do follow unashamedly, not just based upon that, but based upon the historical record and based upon everything else that this guy named Jesus actually lived. It is our contention based upon history that not only did he actually live, he was actually put to death. Uh, he was put to death. We fill in some of this from, from historical records outside of, of Scripture and some of it from historical records inside of the Bible. He was put to death for the claims he made about himself and the things that he did. Uh, some people had this idea about Jesus that he was a nice, sweet, sage little dude who walked around in, uh, with long hair and in a, in a robe and behaved and acted like we might think that a stereotypical hippie acted and he said things and he was like, yeah, man, it's chill, dude. But I'm telling you this is that historically people do not, uh, governments do not seek to put to death, uh, 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 sweet little sage hippies. He did something that got him put to death, and what he did was, he made radical claims that upset the whole uh, the whole apple cart, if you would, that upset everything that existed at the time. The claims that Jesus made about himself, and about who he was, and what he could do, and the things that he backed up by the things that he did do, were so radical, so crazy, so insane, so upsetting, that it, it threatened the very fabric of their society, and so... The religious leaders at the time did not like him because they understood that his claims were claims that one, they viewed as counter to everything they they believed in, and two, dangerous to everything they, they believed in. And so they set out to have him put to death, but he was put to death by a government, not because he was a sage, cool, and chill hippie, but because he made radical claims about himself. Right. These claims that he made about himself, which you could read about in in the Bible and places like the the book of Mark, uh, especially uh, he makes claims that suggest and directly insinuate that he is the king of kings, that he is the Lord of Lords, that he is the Messiah or the savior of, of the of not only the people in his time, but the people in all time. He made the simplest way to say that is Jesus went around claiming to be God. Right. And so. His claims are interesting. He didn't get put to death for being a a hippie. Neither did he get put to death for being crazy, though this claim would be crazy if anybody made it. If I were to come to you this morning and say, good morning, my name is David Drake, I am God, you probably would not seek to put me to death, but you should immediately leave, right? I'm an average human, I would be a terrible God. Uh, and so I do not make that claim the same thing would have happened with jesus except for he made these claims And he kept doing things that seemed to back up these claims So he went around doing these sorts of things and so you might say well I do not religiously believe that and i'm like, okay, that's cool But what we are about in the centerpiece of this this morning is this idea he went around and said things like claiming to be God. And then he did things that affirmed his claim to be God and that scared them. And so they put him to death for three days. He lay in a grave on the third day. He walked out of the grave alive. And when I say that he was put into the grave dead, I mean that he was dead. This is not, um, not a routine from the Princess bride he was not mostly dead he was not uh, not not just kind of dead he was dead. He had breathed his last. He had given up uh, the spirit. He was dead and in, in a grave. And three days later, he walked out of a grave. And now some of you are saying, I don't believe that, so you're getting super crazy, and I'm kind of okay with that. You can think that because what I want you to understand is that Christianity in this celebration, what we are celebrating, is not an exercise in, in normalcy or an exercise in things that are the way they have always been. There is a reason why 2,000 years after the historical event we continue to celebrate this idea that this dude got up and walked out of a grave. In fact, he's probably not the only one in history to claim to have walked out of a grave. He is, however, the only one that millions of people, and upon millions of people, upon millions of people around the world get together and celebrate this morning because he's the only one whose name they remember. And the reason is simple. There is not an objective shred of evidence to disprove the idea that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, you say, well, that's not good science. You have to prove that he could rise from the dead, and that's not possible. Here's the thing. I'm not really into following a God who does all kinds of things that are possible, right? Because if I'm following a God who does all kinds of things that are, quote-unquote, possible, he does not have the power to fix or deal with what ails me. I am, in fact, um, sinful. I am in fact messed up. I in fact do all kinds of screwed up stuff. I in fact live in a world that I recognize as screwed up. I in fact look around and go, this is not the way things should be. This is not the way things ought to be. And I have no power to fix that. So I do not have any issue with the idea that you say people don't rise from the dead, and I say that is the entire point of Christianity. People do not rise from the dead, except for this one who did rise from the dead. His name is Jesus. It sets him apart from all others, and it is exactly, entirely, and only why I get here together with you this morning to celebrate it. Jesus did it, and no one else in history ever has. Now then, it is upon you to Disprove this: History verifies this fact that Jesus lived. History verifies the fact that Jesus was killed. You do not need this book to prove those things. You can read in Joseph- Josephus and you can read in other historical record that Jesus lived. You can also read that immediately after the time, His disciples were going around claiming that He was, that he was resurrected. You can read about how they were, were alive. You can read about how he, all of his, his devout followers, who had always worshipped on Saturdays, soon after His resurrection, begin to worship on Sundays, which does not seem like a major thing to us, but was a major thing to them because Jesus changed everything you can read all over the historical record this idea that there was a guy named jesus that he did live you can read that he died and you can read that he claimed to be resurrected from the dead now you say prove that he resurrected from the dead i say to you prove that he didn't i will quote one of my one of the favorite speakers i have ever heard and this is my attitude too he simply said this if they can find me a bone if they can find me a shred a a shrap of, of dna if they can find a bit of him. If they can find anything that connects him to a tomb that he's still in. Then I will cease to worship immediately. We should go home. There is no reason to baptize anybody into the death and the resurrection of Jesus if he is still dead. But the reality is this. They cannot find a bone. And they could not find his body. In history again and again and again is full of people who said this. God is dead. And every time they have said it, God wins. In China... In China, it's completely illegal to worship Jesus. One of their emperors claimed that God is dead, and he's buried in China. And yet, in China, where it's illegal to worship Jesus, Christianity spreads like rapid fire. Again and again and again and again, people come to meet this dude named Jesus. And here's the reality, and here's the fact. If you... Don't believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. That is fine. But you are going to need a better argument than it's never happened or that doesn't happen. Because frankly, those are not convincing arguments when we are talking about a God. He is God and he is risen. You bring me the bones and I stop worshiping. I'm not that sentimental. I am not that. If you find the bones, I stop worshiping him tomorrow or right now. But the reality is you can't. You won't. It is not possible to find the bones. Throughout history, uh, John Piper, has, who, for whom I took this quote, says this. John Piper says there is not a shred of his evidence any place in history that Jesus did not rise from the dead. If you believe that he didn't, then you have to do something to explain a global movement. You have to do something to explain where under the threat of death in China, 1,200 people come to Jesus every half hour right? You have to explain in communist nations, in Islamic nations, if, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then you need to explain why it was when the when the Christians were lined up in their orange suits, and ISIS said to them, will you reject Jesus? They said, no, we will not. And one by one they were put to death to the point where they came to the end, and one of the the, 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 the practicers of Islam, one of the practicers of ISIS, saw their faith and decided that instead of being a killer, he would die with them, and he said, they're going God is now my God. You have to do something to explain this objective reality that all of history is radically and completely and amazingly changed objectively. I'm not a sentimentalist. This is not a made-up holiday. I am here to worship for one reason. Jesus Christ objectively, physically, and historically walked out of a grave where he had been dead for three days. And when he did it, it changed the world. It changed the universe. Scripture says this. He said, All of creation is groaning for a day. The Bible teaches that, that sin had wrecked everything, including the way the planet functioned. And here comes Jesus into history. And when he walks out of the grave, it is the beginning of of setting all things to right. It is the beginning of making all things new. It is the beginning of making all things how they should be again. See, the resurrection is an objective reality and an objective experience for every person who has ever said this. This world is messed up. You're right. You are absolutely, totally, and completely right. It is messed up and the God of the universe knew it, and his response was not, was not sentimentalism. It was not a good story. It was not a spiritual story that could, could, we could get together and feel better about, because frankly, a spiritual story does nothing for me with the fact that I could die tomorrow. A spiritual story does nothing for you with the reality that you could not wake up Tomorrow, our biggest problem and the biggest reality is this is that one day each of us will die. This world is broken, our bodies are broken, our spirituality is broken. The things we do is broken, and there is only one answer and one fix and it is not sentimentalism it is not a hallmark holiday. Jesus is not the, 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 uh, is not simply the the logo behind a a an american or a western experience that we get together because it makes us feel better i don't need to feel better i'm dead and i needed to be made alive and the only thing that could ever do that for me was jesus so i want to direct you then just for a minute to this what i'm saying to you is this is that there's an objective reality that when jesus walked out of the grave it was not just a uh, it was not just a neat thing it was not just a oh let's Let's get together and throw a holiday, but it changed everything. Peter says it like this in in uh, in First Peter. Uh Chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his mercy, His great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Here's, here's the thing. I said to you that, that this message is for everyone who's ever woke up and go, this is not how it's supposed to be. This message is for everyone who's ever looked in a mirror and goes, this is not how I'm supposed to be. This message is for anyone who's ever lost somebody. This, this message is for everyone who's ever had sickness seem to break them. This message is for everyone whose, whose children have gone astray. This message is for everyone who is continuing to go astray and is that child going astray? Because all of us live in this reality that the world is messed up. Right? And what the Bible says like that, the Bible talks about that messed upness like this. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible also says, but the wages of sin is death. Someone had to die to fix the problem. See, death is what happens when sin enters a planet. And what we know is that people die all the time, and we know all this brokenness. And so... God, in his goodness, God, in his sovereignty, God, in his, his plan, decided to fix it. And he did it like this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again. Here's what that's saying. Here's the thing. For everyone who's ever said, everything is broken, I need things to be fixed. Jesus is the fixer of all things. You say, how do I know I can trust him? How do I know he can fix it? How do I know he'll do it? You might be rebelling against it. You might say that you don't like it. You can say that you don't believe it. Here's what I suspect. Our issue typically is not an issue of disbelief. Our issue typically is not that we don't believe in Jesus. Our issue is that we don't trust In Jesus we don't trust him to fix it We don't want him to fix it because if we give our trust over to him That means we have to take our trust away from ourselves But here's the reality you are awful at running your life You are not good at doing it and you might say i'm great at it But i've met you and i've met me and i'm just a realist, right? I know how I am and so I don't even have to deal with you. We're messed up We we're born spiritually dead. We're born in spiritual rebellion. We're born broken. And people don't li- like to hear that. And I'm cool with you not liking to hear that, but there is nothing th- about the human nature that suggests to me anything but what I just said. So the Bible says it, but human nature confirms it to be true. We're broken, right? Here's the cool thing about it, though. Like, everybody who sits here is broken. So, like, if you're sitting next to someone and you're worried they're going to judge you, man, they got no way in which to judge you and no reason which to judge you they're just as broken as you are there's not a single human in this room that's not broken there's not a single human here who doesn't need help and so we were born in spiritual death and the good news of the scripture is that god had mercy on us right we were born rebels we did things against god and we deserve to be punished for it but blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again. He's caused us to be born like God is in the business of saving us. You're like, I do too much, and I've done too much, and I'm too broken, and I'm too messed up, man. If you think that your sin is bigger than Jesus' cross and Jesus' resurrection, you need to read the story again and again and again and again and understand this, that your sin cannot compare to the greatness of what Jesus did when he walked out of the grave. And so he has caused us to be born again to a living hope Right not only does he live again. Not only does jesus walk out of a grave And and become alive, but he causes us to be alive again And we get to live and we don't get to live in brokenness. We don't get to live in sorrow. Yes We still sin. Yes, we still struggle. Yes, we still do wrong. Yes We're still messed up, right? Like some of you might have been told you got to be good or jesus will never love you Or be a good boy or do this or do that man. That is not the message I have for you I know people you're not capable and i'm not capable Our only hope of ever stopping to sinning even a little bit is not found in trying harder. It's not found in measuring up. It's not found in working. Our only hope is that Jesus walked out of a grave. He was dead. Now he's alive and he can take dead you and dead me and make us alive and give us not a dead hope, but a living hope. And what I'm talking about here, I started this way and I'll bring it back to this. What I'm talking about here is not a nice spiritual platitude. I'm talking an objective historical reality. I believe, you may call me crazy, but I believe that Jesus actually physically and bodily walked out of a grave where he had been for three days dead and he was alive and he did that he did that so that the father who had who had put him to death because of what I had done could forgive me and give to me the goodness and the fullness of his life just as Jesus was made alive and is alive I have been made spiritually alive and I have a hope and I can hope again we have been made alive, born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. How, do you, how are we made alive? What made us alive? Jesus rose from the dead. And we're made alive to a living hope through the resurrection from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you by God's power who are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I want to read that again. You're made alive. You're born again to a hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading this is the hope. This is why I get together this morning. This is why I gather other Sunday mornings. This is why I hang out with other people and we talk about Jesus. This is why I'm in love with Jesus and this is why I love people. And it's why I share it. Like, like I don't think that, like, me, naturally, I'm kind of shy, I'm actually introverted. People go, you're standing up there yelling in front of a crowd. This is cool, right? Okay? This is cool. We're doing great. If you want to get weird, let's have a one-on-one afterwards, okay? Okay? <laughs> Like, I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to love you, but it's weird, because I'm an introvert. That's just who I am. But here's the thing. I do this, and I say what I say, and I preach what I preach, because I love Jesus. And I do this, I want you to know him, because I love you, right? And I don't think I'm naturally prone to love or to sentimentalism, right? Um, uh, I have a saying that I shouldn't say, but I say all the time, and I mean it mostly sarcastically, but I go, oh, he's the worst, or she's the worst. And my wife goes, You think everybody's the worst. I'm like, I do not. I just think this person's the worst, right? It's always a different person. It's a rotating thing. Like, you can move in and out of the worst. It's like um, March Madness with a bracket. Like, if you did your bracket, that's the Dave Drake, yeah, they're the worst bracket. I'm not naturally prone to, to, to sentiment, but... Here's the thing that Jesus has done for me. He's made me alive and because he's made me alive through the resurrection, like I'm excited about that and I know that he can change people and I want it to make you alive, right? And like I'm not like, like I don't know what your conception of Christians is. I don't know what your Christian background is. I don't know what anyone's told you, but I'm not like that dude who's like, "Oh, I'm going to judge you're so messed up like this is the thing. I'm too messed up to ha- spend any time judging you for being messed up." I just don't have it in me. Like, I just think we're messed up. But I have enough faith in Jesus that I believe that objectively, historically, and in reality, he walked out of the grave, and when he did, he had the ability to raise your self and your soul in your reality from the grave. And I believe that there is an objective reality to that, which means that I believe that one day, even though our bodies will die, Jesus will come again and he will resurrect our bodies so that we will be with him. And instead of in this time when we're always fighting to do right, and we're always hoping to do right, and when we're usually just messing up. So we're always like, Jesus, give me your mercy and forgive us. But there's coming a time when we will get to do every desire of our heart. We will get to do, uh, do everything that we desire. And it will be right and it will be good and it will be perfect because our hearts will be fixed. And they will only again desire the right things and the good things. That is the reality of a coming new heaven and a new earth. And that's the reality that happens through a resurrection, right? So uh, here's here's in sum what I'm trying to say is we get together at Crosswinds, we baptize at Crosswinds, we do all the things we do at at Crosswinds because of this. We believe Jesus was a real person who really walked the earth. We believe that as an objective historical reality. We believe that he went, and went to the cross to take our sins upon him, like all the bad stuff we do and you do. He was nailed to a cross and he died there. We believe that when he died on the cross, he took the wrath of God upon him. In other words, the punishment that you and I deserved. We believe that after he took the wrath upon him, he breathed his last, he died For our sins and he was put into a grave. We believe that our sins were buried with Jesus in the grave. And that for three days Jesus lay in a grave dead. But we believe that on the third day something crazy started to happen. Something unusual started to shake and that at some point God resurrected Jesus from the dead, that he rolled the stone away from the front of the grave, that Jesus walked out of the grave and there's a reason they can't find the bones. He's not there. He's alive. He's risen. And we believe this, that when Jesus walked out of the grave, resurrected, he walked out alive and your sins stayed in the grave, dead. So that, If you're here this morning, you're like, I'm too messed up. What are you going to do? I can't do it. Here's the good news. Jesus, in his foreknowledge, the Bible says in Ephesians 1, 4, that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In Colossians, it says that that Jesus canceled the written record against us. Both of those are fancy Bible talk to say this, is that Jesus, who is all-knowing, knew every sin that you would ever commit. And 2,000 years ago, he died for them so that he could resurrect you, so that he could save you, so that if you meet Jesus this morning, and and he will forgive all of your sins that you've ever committed. Here's the good news. He's also wiped out the written record of every sin you will commit. Like Jesus doesn't rescue people and then go, oh man, I didn't realize they were going to commit that sin. That's not Jesus. He knows every sin you'll ever commit, and he has died to rescue you from them. And so at the point of salvation, Jesus made me new in him. Like Jesus has already paid the price. He's already paid, taken the wrath and the punishment of the sin that I'm going to commit three weeks from now. And I love Jesus, so I'm going to try not to commit that sin. But I'm, I'm still stuck in this planet, so I might just do it. I might sin. But I know this, Jesus has died for those sins and the punishment for those sins, the wrath for those sins, the payment for those sins. It's been canceled. My sin stayed in the grave. Jesus walked out. And so here's what I want you to hear. We're here this morning so that you can hear this, is that there's this subjective reality that God the Father, through his mercy, has caused you or can cause you to be born again. He can make you born again. He can rescue you from your sin, your death, all of the sucky stuff in your life, all that terrible junk in your life. He can save you from that and rescue you from that brokenness. And he can do it this morning and he can do it immediately and he can do it objectively and he can do it now. And when Jesus rescues you, there is not a thing you can do and there's not a thing anybody can do to take that back. You get the cross of Jesus to rescue you from your sins and you get the resurrection of Jesus to bring you to new life. And it's an imperishable, amazing hope. And so we're here, Crosswinds, because we believe this. Jesus rose from the dead. He's risen. He is risen indeed. That is not a hallmark holiday to us. That's not just something we say. That's not just something we get together. We're not people, most of us, who are just prone to to religious fancy. That's just not most of us. We're here because we believe that Jesus died for everybody and he rose again to give us newness of life and that he can resurrect you too.